The 3CR Gardening Show is coming to you today from the Woi Wurrung Nation. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners of this land. We recognise the practices of care and cultivation of the land and waters by the First Peoples and pay our respects to their elders past and present. Wherever you are and wherever you garden, we encourage you to know whose land you're on. Good morning. I'm Virginia Haywood and this is the 3CR Garden Show. With me this morning is John Arnott from Cranbourne Botanic Gardens and Chloe Thompson, been there, dug that. Good morning, Chloe. Good morning, Virginia. And good morning, John. Hi, Virginia. Hi, Chloe. Hi, John. Hi, listeners. Yeah. And it's rather a... Lovely morning. It's glorious, isn't it? It's very still out there. I came into the view of, I think it was at least six or seven hot air balloons floating over the city. Did the same. Yeah. Yeah. So a still morning. Very spring-like. Very spring-like, yes. I actually been starting to say the last couple of mornings, it smells like spring. It smells like spring. Yeah. Did yeah. you notice it has yeah. a different smell? Is that the wattles, you think? I or? think it's, well, it's a combination of things. I feel like the it, it smells more earthy. Somehow. The, the warming soil. The, that's it. The warming soil. Definitely the wattles in my area. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then you've got all the other things that release their beautiful fragrances as yeah, well. Yeah. yeah. My garden's looking absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I've, I, I've never understood why Open Gardens Victoria doesn't open now. <clears throat> I mean, I have got about 30 um, camellias in my garden. They're all out. I've got 15 or 20 wattles. They're all out. Yeah. Yep. The magnolias are out. I have at least a thousand daffodils. They're all out, Oof. you know. So it's looking absolutely fabulous. Yeah. I mean, you know, the lawn's not mowed and the weeds aren't <laughs> weeded, but meh. yeah, <laughs> just a mere detail. <laughs> there was um, on my on my ride to to work. There's a um, I'm assuming that it was a, a, a floriculture plot at some point, um, but it's a, an abandoned paddock of uh, daffodils. Oh, um, and I must admit I have jumped the fence <laughs> on numerous occasions to um, pick some of the daffodils and take them home. Well, there's quite, um, a, there's quite a few around me like uh, that. Uh, yeah. And they're all planted in straight lines. Yes. <laughs> have they started to naturalise and sort of, you know, this go is very, This is very much that. And yeah. I, I think they, they might have even been hybridising because uh, there's all manner of colours. And, oh, how exciting. But, but like beautiful, like a, like a natural meadow mm. of, 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 of daffodils um, growing through Kaikuyu. I mean, it's, a, it's like completely that hasn't been managed for yeah. oh, I don't know how long, maybe fifty years. Yeah. I find that so interesting because when I first moved to mine, what I did <clears> was I dug holes all through the front. I nearly said lawn, which would be a complete joke. <laughs> <laughs> the front Gr- grassy area, the front patch, <laughs> which is quite a big area, and I planted daffodils, and none of them succeeded. Is that right? Mm. Not one of them's there now. I wonder why. I th- just assumed it was the grass. The competition. It's that, it's that horrible summer grass that we grow, you know, cooch, kaikuyu. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I mean, my gr- I hate my grass. <laughs> I've never come to terms with particularly the kakuyu. Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, it's a good grass if you're going to have a, a, a lawn. It's a good grass because you don't need to water it. And um, yeah, But, yeah. But if you don't get on top of if it. If you don't mow it, the it gets all thatchy. Just, and, oh, and the mm. seeds are hideous. Yeah. But, yes. And and it just didn't succeed. So now, and so I just stopped. I should I should have tried again three years ago. The drought's coming back. Mm. So where are your daffodils now? I've got they're, them they're all, in the beds. I've got them all through the beds. Right, mm. nice. And and you know, so they grow through mulch. Yeah. Because the more I've got to know Craig, the more I've started mulching, mulching, mulching. <laughs> yeah, he's a, a, a mulching evangelist. <laughs> he is a total evangelist. <laughs> and it's definitely, see, I had to, I planted down the south side of my place. I just decided to plant trees because when I moved there, there was diosma mm-hmm. and diosma. Okay. Ah, yeah, yeah, and, and a bit and more, more diosma. <laughs> <laughs> right. And some roses and about 30 lemon trees and that was it. Really? And so, and I've put in so many beds, I'm totally mad. Um, But so I put in down the south side of the house, I I needed somewhere that was protected from the north wind and I planted trees. And after I killed all the grass, got rid of it and mulched, Mm. all those trees did ten times better. Mm. And Mm. these are some, some of them, like the Judas tree was the hardiest through the drought of all my trees. Are they tough trees? Oh, they're Fabulous. Beautiful trees, yeah. But all of them did better when they weren't competing with that grass. Yeah, yep. yeah. When we um, first uh, moved into our, our Bond Beach house, the first thing I did is spray the lawn and people walking up and down the street are saying, oh, are you fertilising the lawn? <laughs> no, I'm killing it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's going. It's going. <laughs> was this in front of the house? Or in your, front of the house, yeah, yeah. Did you do the nature strip as well? Uh, no, because it's a, it's, we've got a shared um, – we're one of two. Right. Um, and but look, I, I, think of, I think of doing it often, so I might have a word with our, our, um, neighbor. our neighbour. Mm. And do something about that. I'd love to. More planting space. More, more planting space. Yeah, more opportunities <laughs> for planting, yeah. It is very, very <clears throat> what councils let you do, it seems mm. to me. Some councils absolutely welcome the verge. The verge. I yeah. loathe that yeah, word. Yeah. I yeah. always call it the nature strip. <clears throat> and nature strip's a bit of a, uh, an odd one too because there's the, not a lot of nature associated is, with nature strips. <laughs> but it is a strip. It is a strip, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because it's council land, isn't it? Yes, it's yeah. council land, and also it has um, often has the services, services running under yeah. it. So if you plant, if you go planting really heavy duty stuff, yep. they can quite reasonably get very upset about it. Yeah, I'm trying to modify my language, <laughs> um, but the but some just get really snaky if you plant virtually anything. Oh yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And others really encourage it. We got a, a provisional improvement notice twenty years ago when um, we planted out our, our nature strip, and um, you know one of the council officers drove past and said, you know, you're in breach of the the bylaw or whatever it was, and. We've got a provisional improvement, which, which I duly ignored. <laughs> <laughs> there was a couple of things that I – I, I planted some uh, some lamandra along the following. They got a little bit tall. They got a little bit tall. Yeah. So, um, you know, there was a concession to – yeah, no, that's fair enough. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I've got a pin notice. Oops. Yep. <laughs> um, but lots of councils for, you know, for 
listeners that might be interested in doing some verge gardening. Um, lots of councils have got uh, their policies and um, uh, guidelines for, for planting on nature strips. And around uh, Port Melbourne and that sort of area, there's been a real movement to actually make connected strips mm. so that insects and other wildlife... <laughs> Which is just fantastic. What a fabulous project that is. That is brilliant. It's the, the pollinator corridor mm. from, so I think it's, it, it, it goes from the Botanic Gardens or yes. ends at the Botanic Gardens or, and starts at Port Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, great little project. That is good. Yeah. Yes. And sometimes a, a council can be brought along. Now, Verge, I didn't hear Verge until I returned after my 20 odd years away. Oh, I think Verge has just come in in yeah, the last 10 like years, maybe. Yeah. And I suspect it's come from America, which is why I don't use it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we are Americanising our culture at such a rapid rate that yeah. I'm not going to use Verge. Nature strips. Nature, Nature strips all well, the that's way. Well, yeah. that's what mum called it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now, they are, but they, are, uh, they are opportunities for... Um, for planting. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And when you run out of space in your own garden, yeah. it's a good excuse to <laughs> yeah. just plant that out yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, you know, I've got a, a, a quite a high bank, maybe five foot or so, running down to the, the road. Mm-hmm. And I planted the falling um, acacia, the yeah. wattle, which is in flower at the moment. And I planted... Hardenbergia and Banksia. Oh, great. And when the council decided to come along and cut the grass. Oh. oh did they slash it all? Yeah. Really? Oh. And I thought, that is stupidity beyond ordinary yeah, that's stupidity. A, that's not, that's yep. a bit blinkered, isn't it? Oh. I mean, there's a, there's a project um, which has been run, running out of Burnley called the Woody Meadow Project. Mm. And, and that's the principle, is that um, all of these woody plants are, are, are planted in once every three or four years. The slasher comes through and knocks them all down, um, and then they regrow. They regrow. So it's like you know the principle of having naturalistic planting, but using woody plants as the, as the structure. And um, <coughs> woody meadows are starting to pop up all over the place. Mm. I think it's a really nice technique, but... Um, the plants are selected because they they can be coppiced at yep. regular intervals, mm. unlike potentially what was on your well, the, it was nature just strip. well, particularly the the falling down wattle. I mean, it just yeah. it just was totally unnecessary. Yeah. What yeah. what was that? Was that one of the provisima forms or? I'm not sure. Or it might be a cutamundra. They do oh, okay, build okay. with cutamundra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah there's a, which there's is, a... I've always figured, well, okay, that's a respectable way to grow cutamundra because I know it is a <laughs> touch on the weirdy yeah, side. I, I think the, um, the, 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 yeah, the, the tree cutamundra form is, is quite weedy. In, in, in fact, in Kate Blood's weed book, um, in the um, index at the back, it, it refers to um, Acacia baileyana as Cuda bloody mundra wattle. <laughs> <laughs> Cuda bloody mundra wattle, which makes a lot of sense because it's pretty weedy. Well, I mean, my it's <clears throat> what's the one that's in flower at the moment and smelling absolutely wonderful? Native oh, weed. Uh, native tree. Uh, this uh, uh, oh, oh, the pitos, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, they just pop up. Everywhere. <clears throat> yes. But my neighbours have gone and planted about 30 agapanthus along the council bit. Yeah. Which I just, I, I, I just looked and thought, oh, my God, what a <laughs> stupid 
they probably got them free or something off Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, I yeah, so yeah. people promoting, you know, come what? and dig them out. And yes, I well, I, I'd love someone to come and dig all mine out. <laughs> yeah. I've, I'm working through them, but I've been there 16 years. I still haven't got them all out. Yeah. But, you know, I don't want to give them away and make them grow somewhere else. No, no, that's right. Particularly the weedy. I mean, I accept there are some that aren't weedy and they are blue and white flowers on a really hot day. It's cool. It's nice. Yeah. I don't hate them like other people do. Yep. But I... I mean, they're... they're they're a remarkable looking, <coughs> excuse me, looking plant. Like if 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 you can, I'm not advocating <laughs> um, ag- ag- agapanthus, but um, you know, overseas they're 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 prized. They are, yep. As um, you know, structural structural plant in the garden. Yeah, yeah. Got some interesting texts already. Oh, oh you listeners are bloody wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so first one. Verge is British Empire, an edge or rim, margin, a limit, a limit beyond which something occurs. Great topic. Love advice on how to plant up the Verge. Next one. No, Verge is UK. Oh, okay. Never heard of a nature strip until we moved to Australia. Okay. There you go. There you, well, go. There you go. There you go. As I said, Mum always said nature strip, but I won't be quite so snooty about Verge. <laughs> I suppose all that time I lived in... Britain, which was a long bloody time, mm. but I always lived in London. We never had nature strips. Didn't have, yeah. didn't have virgins. We didn't have virgins. Virgilless. That was something that the posh people outside London had. <laughs> now, look, I might just as uh, uh, mention some of our uh, events coming up. Yeah, good. Because there's two for today. Mm-hmm. One is the main Dample Garden and Plant Sale. Main Dample is somewhere near Bonnie Doon. Mm, okay. And Going to Bonnie Doon. And I'm thrilled to announce something near Bonnie Doon. Yeah. So uh, that's on today. And Chloe. Yes, and I have to promote my beautiful little town, which is technically a suburb but feels like a town, <laughs> where I live in Hurstbridge. It is our Wattle Festival today. Oh, sweet. So if people feel like heading out to the far northeastern suburbs, we're the end of a train line, we have a very country-style festival day. Beautiful. It takes over the whole town. There's a market. There's live music. There's crafts. You know, all the usual fun. Oh, that um, sounds excellent. Really nice. Uh, and celebrating... Um, celebrating wattle. The wattle. And our whole town is literally bright yellow. Um, we've got <laughs> wattle galore in flower and um, a team of people go to work yarn bombing trees full of pom-poms. Um, and it looks really fun, actually. Yeah. Um, it is interesting, isn't it? Because I think yellow can be quite a difficult colour in... Yeah. Oh, that's fabulous. I'm just showing them a photo of the yarn bomb tree. Can you drop that into, onto the socials? Yeah, I'll put yeah, that up beautiful. on the socials. It's really yes, fun. that is good. It definitely needs to go on the socials. Yellow is quite a difficult colour to plant, but in winter you don't have any sense of that. No, and I think yellow, I love yellow. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm, I really I'm, I'm love yellow yeah. in the garden. There is one daisy, which is a very hard yellow, which I loathe. Uriops. Uriops, that's the one. Yep. Horrible. Don't Horrible like colour. No, Don't I hate like the colour. Oh, there but, you go. But I love yellow in the garden. Yeah. And particularly now. And I think that's it, yeah, this time of the year. And in, in winter, white. Yeah. White in the garden is just absolutely fantastic. It's brightening. Mm. We've just come back from East Gippsland mm-hmm. and um, the, the wattles on the side of the road were just, you know, spectacular. I think it's been a spectacular uh, year for, for, for wattle. Yes. Blossoms. Do you yeah. think that's because yeah. we've had water? 
Um, I suppose not everywhere has, have they? No. Well, I mean, East Gippsland was actually quite dry. Yeah, they have been quite early this year, though. Yeah. Um, so the street that I live in, um, you know, if you come from one end, it's quite high and you drive down into <coughs> town and it's quite windy. And generally, the Wattle Festival signifies when all the wattle is at its most at its beautiful, peak. at its peak. Yeah. Well, a lot of it's already finished. It's come and gone. Oh. Yeah. yeah. A lot of it's already starting to fade. And that drive down to my place, yeah. you know, two, three weeks ago was just like this <clears throat> avenue of bright, bright yellow. I'll see if I can get that video up on the socials as well. And it's magic. I love videoing it when I'm a passenger in the car. Yeah. It's just this avenue of yellow. And it's all now really faded. It's faded, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's still certain varieties that are, you know, popping yellow. But, um, yeah, I've, it's definitely early this year. There's been a few things that have been uh, early. Mm. Um, I'll give a plug to um, a colleague, Nushka Rita. She's just won um, the Eureka Award for the work that she's been doing on orchid recovery. Mm. Um, which is fabulous. I mean, that's a really significant thing. So congratulations, Nushka um, and the team at the RBG. Uh, but she was mentioning that there's been a couple of um, uh, terrestrial orchids that are months earlier. Really? Wow. Not just weeks, but or you know, months and months earlier. Wow. Um, like eight weeks early, well, well, com- coming into flower eight, eight weeks earlier. That's frightening. It's extraordinary. Because that can only be global warming. And the 10,000 dead king pen- penguins struck oh, me no. as a total. Mm. Oh, that was, I heard that. Someone told me that yesterday. I thought it was so disturbing. Because mm. the ice well, they, sheet broken. Yeah, Is that right? Yeah, they're saying that they could be um, <coughs> extinct in... 20 years. Extraordinary. Goodness. Yeah. And still we want to open a coal mine or three. Mm. Mm. But well, in, I might just go back to the announcement. Yes. Oh, yes, we sidetracked. Sorry, yeah, it's yes. my fault. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So let's go. I'm not going to read out lots of details on them because there's so many. So next weekend is the Fernie Creek Horticultural Society Spring Show, which I always love because you get the people selling plants there that don't sell anywhere else. Yeah, okay. So, so, so you, you can find things you don't expect to see. Yeah. Uh, on the 14th of September is the Plant Trust AGM and Plant Sale. So those of you that know about Plant Trust, come to our AGM. The 16th to 16th of September to the October the 15th is Tesla Tulip Festival. So that's always a great place to go, take, take visitors and also take kids. They always have lots of things for kids there. Then the 23rd of September is the Alpine Garden Society of Victoria Conference. This is a collector's gardener's conference. It's in the Dandenongs. It starts in the morning at the Sky High on Mount Dandenong and then spreads out around the Dandenongs. So that's, and there's still a few tickets, not a lot, but a few tickets left. The Alpine Garden Society of Victoria Conference. Then the rest of the 23rd and the 24th. So we have the Alpine Garden Society Conference. 23rd and 24th, we have the Yay Garden Expo, which is always brilliant. Mm-hmm. 23rd and 24th, we have the Australian Native. Orchid Spring Show in Mount Waverley. And the 23rd, we have the Melbourne Clivia Group Expo at East Burwood Uniting Church. Beautiful. And that's the place to go to find clivias that are not orange. Ah, okay. Yes. They have an amazing array. And they've got stuff for sale. They've got demonstrations. They tell you how to grow seeds, blah, blah. And then we move into October which is still fairly frantic, but not as frantic as the 23rd of September. (laughs) 
October the 7th and 8th, we've got the Mount Macedon Garden Lovers' Fair. The 14th and 15th, we've got Lardner Park Garden and Home Expo. The 21st to the, 20, to the 7th of November, 21st of October to the 7th of November, Country Farm Perennials and Seedscapes is open. They're open for a fortnight. Okay. So that'd be fun. So look up Country Farm Perennials and Seedscapes and you'll find them. The 28th and 29th is the Fernie Creek Horticulture Society Flower Festival. The 28th and the 29th is Alexandra Open Gardens. Now, that's something I always find quite exciting. I have great trouble getting there for some reason because I'm halfway there up in the Yarra Valley. But that's a brilliant selection of open gardens. Then November the 11th and 12th is the Yarra Valley Plant Fair. And December the 10th is the Plant Trust Christmas Party. Oh, (laughs) very good. Very good. So we will. <clears throat> so there's a bit on. There's, oh, isn't there? Spring. Spring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's fabulous, but yeah. there is a lot. Yeah. And so all of them, I think, I might actually send that list and put it on our social, so people then can um, have a look. I'll send it to Lizzie and Great. she can stick it up. Great yeah, idea. Good idea. Because I mean, there's so much, so much, um, so much on. Yeah, there definitely is, and there's uh, there's an Australian plant sale in Eltham that um, is in September that you've missed as well. So I'll give you the details and you can add that. Do you know the details? Not. It's, I think it's the, the 11th and 12th of September. It's, right. it's the, the middle of September. September. Right. Well, I'll put that on yep. after the show yep. and we'll put it on our social so and, people can find it. And can I send you the uh, Growing Friends um, Spring Absolutely. sale? Please Later. do. And do you know when it is so no. people can note it? Right. <laughs> No, I don't, but I can I can send it through. And I presume there's one for Melbourne too. Yeah, you'd think so. So, so I must check Let's that out. Drop, there normally is. I've been to the Melbourne one before. Yeah. 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 A bit of a what's on uh, post. Mm. Yes. Yeah, that sounds good. Can I add just one more thing Please. on the on the wattles? Um, from Thursday the 31st of August to Sunday the 17th of September, um, at the Cranbourne Gardens, there's um, something called the Acacia Project, um, which is... Uh, uh, an art exhibition um, uh, of uh, uh, rare and threatened acacias uh, growing at the Royal Botanic Gardens, Melbourne. Um, and I think the exhibition was at Melbourne Gardens last year and it's migrated. It's gone down the South Gisland Highway down to, to, to the Cranbourne Gardens. Oh, brilliant. Um, yeah, it's called the Acacia Project uh, and... Um, 23 botanical artists, members of the famed Whirlies. Oh, the Whirligigs. Uh, the Whirligigs uh, uh, participated in the project, and it's uh, illustrations of threatened wattles mm. at, at Cranbourne from, um, from, from next week. Fantastic. This is the 3CR Garden Show. I'm Virginia Hayward, and with me are John Arnott and Chloe Thompson. The talkback line is 94190155. and the text is 0488. Eight oh nine eight double five, and if you send us and unfortunately on the text we cannot do photos because they come from one screen to another and it's too complicated. I don't understand why. Mm. And if you wish to send a message that will be answered at next week's show, you can go to three cr dot gardening at gmail dot com. So the talkback line is 94190155. I broke my glasses this week, so I'm having great trouble reading the screens. (laughs) And if you hear funny clinking sounds, that's me swapping glasses. (laughs) So I'm very sorry about that, listeners, but it's just one of those things. One becomes very dependent 
on glasses. And my eyesight, when I went to have them tested, I thought, well, I won't just replace the ones I've broken. I'll get my eyes tested. Mm. And, you know, I went in with my 0.25s and my 0.35s and switching and she tested my eyes and said, oh, no, you, um, I can actually say you're fit to drive without glasses. And I said, you've got to be <laughs> kidding. I would no more drive my car without my glasses on than fly to the moon. <laughs> so that was a bit bit nerve-wracking to think that that was okay. But you got the eye tick of uh, approval. That's, that's yes, good. but it's taking more than a week to get new glasses. Mm. Which, which is making this week very difficult. <laughs> you don't realise how much you read till you can't. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I've lost the habit of reading. I used to voraciously read books and I just don't anymore. Because you need to reach for your glasses? No, because I'm dominated by screens, I think. Uh, I think, I yeah, think yeah. we've all changed our, our attention. I, I, I hate to think what is actually happening to our neural load Yeah, because we don't seem to have the same attention span. Mm. I, I um, caught some public transport a couple of weeks ago and every person, uh, aside from one person who was looking out the window, was on a screen. Yeah. Yes. And that person that was looking out the window was me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, yeah, just we, we are just screen obsessed. Yes. I and mean, and you miss so many beautiful things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. one of my favourite things about catching the train. I mean, I don't do it very much anymore, but I remember catching the train in and out to uni and one of my favourite things was snooping into people's, people's backyards yeah, as yeah, the train yeah, went yeah. past. And, and, you know, doing your plant ID, yeah. uh, all that stuff. Oh, Absolutely. That magnificent jacaranda. And Absolutely. Oh, watching the seasons watching change. Watching the seasons change, yeah. yeah. I caught a train in Alaska and all the – I was with family again and they were all doing screens and talking to each other and I'm just gazing out and I said, suddenly said, this is really weird. All these back gardens just end in a in a paddock that's mowed. And we go along and these are really beautiful back gardens mm. and there's just, then we get to the end of this section. The reason they've got this paddock that's mowed is they all have their own planes. Oh. Right. It was an airstrip. It was an, a personal airstrip for those houses. Oh, there are more... Planes, small planes in Alaska than anywhere else in the world. Really? Wow. The the capital, the the parliament, is on an island that has only got six miles of road. Okay. Right. Wow. You know, if you're in parliament there, you get there by boat or plane. Yeah, right. Goodness. Right. There you go. So anyway, that that was looking. If if I hadn't have been looking out the plane, yeah. I mean, out, out, of, out, out of the out windows. windows. Yeah. You know, it you was just—it it would have missed it. It was yep. fascinating. It's yeah. something I've never forgotten. I mean, that was years ago. Yeah. And I don't know about you guys, but quite often I'll use plants as um, references for you know locations or when I'm driving and things. Hundred percent. And I often feel that. I mean, there is a thing called plant blindness and I feel like, you know, maybe screens and people being on screens and not observing, you know, it's going to increase the plant blindness. But I've been in situations where I've said to people, oh, you know, no, 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 at the XYZ tree, turn yeah. right. And they've been like, what uh -huh. tree? And you're like, how can you not see the tree? Like, it's huge. <laughs> you know, or at the roundabout that's full of XYZ. And but like, when I take really? walks around the gardens, one of the things I do is go to um, bark you know, particular trees, mm. like the erythrina, which I always refer to as the whomping willow because yes. <laughs> it bounces. Yeah. And it's got the most brilliant bark. And, and people don't see bark. Yeah. No. They just don't see bark. Yeah. And it can be so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And some of those, particularly Himalayan um, pinus, 
extraordinary. Absolutely beautiful bark. You want to paint it, it's yeah, so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. But it's like when I want to sing, I can't do either of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I agree with bark. I mean, some of the, the mini Ritchie, um, you know, that peeling, uh, the peeling bark of um, some of the inland mallees and some of the, the acacias, and, you know, it, it's just absolutely gorgeous. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, bark is underrated. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, and in very important. And I've found as I've been a grower for longer, I'm more interested in bark, I'm more interested in form, yep. and I'm less interested in double flowers and big flowers. Yep. You know, I, now if I plant a camellia, I'll plant one of the species that's got much smaller flowers. Mm. Although I have got a reticulata that is so big and blousy, it's almost <laughs> embarrassing. Their heads fall over. <laughs> it is just huge. A, a, a friend of mine is um, travelling in Western Australia at the moment and, and sent through a, an image of, I think it was Eucalyptus salubris, but these orange um, trunks, like oh. just like painted almost yes. orange. Yeah. Well, Hawaii, the deglupta, the the oh, eucalyptus oh in God. Hawaii, yeah. it has got bark <clears throat> that is green and pink. Yeah. Yep. Rainbow uh, gum. Oh, it was yeah. just. I was so excited when yeah. I saw it, and when I've been listening to all these terrible stories about the fires mm. there, which I have to say I don't understand. No. I don't understand how hundreds and hundreds of people in one town can die, but nevertheless, I keep wondering. I wonder if, because of course, the eucalyptus deglupta does not belong there. No. I mean, virtually nothing belongs in Hawaii that is there. It's extraordinary. It's such a beautiful place, Mm. and yet it's just full. Full of weeds. Full of weeds. Mm. And last time I was there, I was meeting a friend there from who lives in Italy. We started the first women's press in the Southern Hemisphere back in the 70s. And so if she gets halfway here, I'll go and meet her wherever she is just <laughs> so I can see it. And um, we were meeting in Hawaii for some very obscure reason. And one of the things that killed me about the place, I've got no foxes, and you're walking through what is basically rainforest and these chooks keep popping out. Oh. <laughs> As in chook-chooks. Chooks. <laughs> the, things that, chooks. the things that lay eggs, yeah. <clears throat> and they're everywhere. And I think about my struggle to have chooks or anybody in my street to have chooks with the foxes. Yeah. Wow. And they're just popping out of the forest. <laughs> and they're another weed. Yeah. Oh, they don't belong, but they are gorgeous, like a lot of the weeds. They're absolutely beautiful. I think the Melbourne Gardens have planted a couple of eucalyptus decopteries and they're doing okay? No. No, not, not, not doing one, okay? There's one. One left. Okay. The doing po- okay? The possums adored it. Oh, true. Oh. Right. It's there. I wouldn't say it's fabulous, but maybe it's just got to get big enough. Mm. You know, it's the thing with planting trees, isn't it, that you are looking... It's it's their long-term propositions, aren't they? Yeah. But it's um, uh, it's, from uh, Philippines and uh, I think Papua New Guinea. Yes, yes. So it's a truly tropical thing. There's... 700 or 900 different eucalypts and only 15 of them come from outside yeah, Australia. Yeah, yeah, in, And in, it's one in, of them. In that order, mm, yeah, yeah. Mm. And it just happens to be the one with the most remarkable bark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Although I do this salubrous, this, this orange. That sounds wonderful. It, it's just a remarkable looking thing. So um, my friend's not a botanist, but, you know, pretty keen. And he just uh, sent me on a, a, a personal message on Facebook I think it was 150 photographs saying, <laughs> could you identify a, a few of these for me? <laughs> Which was joyous. I think, um, uh, yeah, botanising in Western Australia must be uh, 
so much I've, fun. You know, I've never done it. I've never been to Western Australia and um, and just looked and just looked botanized. Close. Yeah, I've I've got my dad's side of the family's all from Perth and around W and Perth, but I've never gotten over to see the wildflowers yeah, or yeah. anything like that. Every time I end up going over, I say oh, I should try and time it, but I just never managed. No, to. no. It is oh. extraordinary too because. I always think when people say, oh, you've got to plant more Australian plants, you really should be planting native. And I say, oh, plant something from New Zealand over there. They say, no, that's not native. And I said, well, it's a damn sight closer than broom. <laughs> <laughs> and when you think about it, I mean, botanically, Western Australia is a separate country. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Completely separate country yeah. with yeah. that nullabore. Yeah, yeah. Protecting it, yeah, 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 and you know it's one of um, recognised as one of the world's biodiversity hotspots. It's mm. you know like the Cape of South Africa, the you know the the southwest botanical province of mm. Western Australia. Just so many things that are yeah. just from there, and their soil is so different from over here. It's um, really sand. It's sand. Yeah. yeah, I've got Sprout School running at the moment, my online gardening course, and we've got three students this time from WA. One of the things I get the students to do is we do the soil jar test and we look at the <laughs> Potentially three layers of that you will get your clay, silt, and sand in the in the jar, and so then we can use the soil triangle to to try and name and classify your soil. Well, there's always the running joke that the WA people do it, and of course it's just a jar full of sand. <laughs> and look, a couple of them have had a very small layer of clay or silt at the yeah, top, but yeah. you can. The, person can put up a photo of their soil jar on their Facebook group. Yeah, nice. And without even looking at the person's name, we can all go, West Australian. (laughs) (laughs) Now tell us, Chloe, if somebody's interested in that, how do they find you? So you can go and check out my website, beantheredugthat.com.au. Bean like the one that you eat, and there is in over there. Um, My next round of Sprout School will be in autumn next year, so they can jump on the wait list now and then um, join up in... Early February, doors will open. How long does the Sprouts School, um, yeah, go for? Go for. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, seven modules pre-recorded, yep. but it's ten weeks um, with me inside the private Facebook group, okay. chatting all things plants and all aspects of gardening. Any face to face? Yeah, we do a once a week for the ten weeks a live Facebook call. Brilliant over Zoom. Yeah, a live Facebook call, a live Zoom call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where we chat about each topic that we cover along the way. And how many um, intakes? How many people? Uh, we get around anywhere between twenty and thirty from Victoria mostly. Um, no, it varies. Yeah, this okay. group's got predominantly Victorian, but I've got West Australian, New South Wales. I've had ACT, Tasmania. I've virtually had every state in Queensland except North. Northern Territory. Okay. Um, so it sort of, yeah, it varies between states, but it's really fun. I've taught over 100 students now. So there's a um, community of... There uh, is. ...been there... Of sprouters. Of sprouters. Sprouters, yes. Uh, yeah, okay. So, yes, yeah, so that's excellent because that's one of my things. I don't even try to grow some of the Western... I was just thinking about that tree. I'd love that eucalypt. I'd love an orange because I'm very into growing orange and purple together. Yeah, oh, nice. Complimentary. Nice. Yeah, I think, well, yes. Mm. And I'd love to have a purple, I mean, a, an orange-trunked eucalypt, but my my soil's just too rich. You might be able to grow eucalyptus spathulata. I mean, that's approaching, well, it's, it's more coppery, um, but that, that's got gorgeous, gorgeous form and, and beautiful bark, and it's called the swamp millet. So it, it'll take heavier conditions. Because my, I mean, it dries. And that would be fine as well. Mm. But, you know, it is, my, I've got that red soil. Yeah. That sticks to your boots and gets <laughs> into everything. I, and I reckon a swamp mallet would would work. I mean, you, you see them 
just out of Lara on the road down to Geelong, there's that stand of sort of Mallee-looking trees um, on the left-hand side as you're approaching Geelong. Um, gorgeous thing, beautiful bark. Not quite as, um, as beautiful as yeah. the salubrious. But most of the time, Western Australia does this on virtually any plant you choose to. I mean, going to the, the botanic gardens in Western Australia, oh. I've got one here. John, <laughs> John has just <laughs> produced a rather big piece of tree. <laughs> a bit of a, yes. It's a calathamnus. So it's one of the half-sided um, bottle brushes or net bush. Uh, it comes from, from Western Australia, but highly, highly adaptable to a, a range of conditions in um, – so it's it's a sturdy, proven performer in, in East, East Coast gardens. And um, the birds absolutely are going nuts for this in, in, in the garden. Um, but it's a spectacular thing. So it's bottle brush-like. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, you can see that the only flowers on on one half of the the, the stems. It does too, yeah. and its foliage is very reminiscent of woolly bush. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, very much so. So it's like a woolly bush. Is it soft like woolly bush? Um, it's not. It's not. Oh, it's not harsh. as soft, no. but it's still soft. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a. Uh, it's it's called the one-sided bottle bush or the common net bush. Um, and it's one of those Western Australians which and are which a proven performer. Is that one? Quadrifidus. Quad, quadrifidus. Quadrifidus. Uh, so Calathamnus, C-A-L-O-T-H-A-M-N-U-S, and Quadrifidus is quad, R-I-F-I-D-U-S, Quadrifidus. Spectacular thing. It is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And I have got two Calathamus in the garden. One isn't that one, but it is that colour. Okay. And But the other one is orange. Beautiful. Mm. And I'm just stripping everything away from around it because, you know, it's beginning to get swamped and I figure, no, it has to take pride of place. So, Do you know what it is? The, no. The orange one? I might just have a quick look. I haven't been – and mm. I've, I've – I, my garden's quite good like that. I have plants in it that nobody can identify. That's good. <laughs> That's I ha- and, you know, I have a lot of very knowledgeable people, you know, people like Steve and Ryan and I have not really – and Jane Tonkin and all – Really knowledgeable people come to my garden. And you're gazumping yep. them. That must feel good. I've got, and I've got this salvia, and I didn't realise it was the salvia, and it was in, in, in bud for absolutely ages. It didn't come out. Oh. And I kept saying to everyone, I don't know what this is, and everybody who came through, oh, do you know what that is? Oh, do you know what? And nobody knew. Then it, it started to come out, and I thought, oh, well, it's definitely a salvia. Mm. And um, when I got back from my holiday, I rang up Meg and said, um, Meg, Bentley, please come and visit me. I need you to have a cup of tea. And so we had a cup of tea and walked around the garden because Meg lives quite close to me. And I said, Meg, what's that? I guessed I'd got it from her originally anyway. She knew. Ah, yeah. Oh, that's the Dominican one, she said. You know, immediately. Oh, that's it. That's, that's it. Calathamus vilosus. V-I-L. Yeah. It's beautiful. It is absolutely. And I have no idea where I got it from. Oh, it's really pretty. Yeah. I'm this, I just... Googled it, mm. um, but there's a there's a few uh, orangey looking ones, but uh, I, I think that's probably the most likely. Can, and and it's, it's got that um, rosemary cross woolly bush foliage, foliage, yeah. And it's only so high. Nice. It's only sort of a bit over waist high. Are you noticing the small birds? Um, well, it's not out working yet. Working it, not yet. Oh, okay. And you know, yesterday I decided, right, I have to do this bed. I've got some quite small beds that, you know, near the house and mm. I, I, just full of 
crap. <laughs> and I, I, That's I, the technical term. Yeah. <laughs> and so I thought, I have to weed this. So I'm weeding away, weeding away, pulling things out. And I think, oh, I'll prune this back. I've got a very lovely salvia there, but, you know, it's everywhere. And it didn't flower, but I thought, oh, I'll still prune it. Started prune it. Oh, inside is this little nest with two oh, little... Oh, stop. 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 Yeah, yeah. Left and and she came back. Oh, phew. She came back, so I'm going to put some sort of thing around it so that the dogs can't use it as a shortcut and good idea. Just protect it. Yeah. I was and and I've got another one, another big salvia, which I'm sure the um, eastern spinebills nesting in. Yeah. This was a New Holland honey eater. Mm. When I moved there, I had no small birds. No. Really? And I think the weebills, I saw the weebills. The weebills are around all the time at the moment. I think they're nesting somewhere nearby. I don't know what a weebill no, is. No, neither do I. It's the smallest bird in Australia. Oh, really? Oh, I thought that was like the pardalotes. The no, teeny, it's, tiny, it's, pa- it's no, smaller, smaller than a pardalote. Oh. That's pretty small. And that's tiny. <laughs> and its beak is absolutely tiny. And, and I've got this, I don't know, I, somebody was throwing it out, so I just grabbed it. Tiny, it's only the size of a saucer, sort of little bird bath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Weebill size. <laughs> <laughs> and they were cleaning themselves in it the other day. And oh, I, and, treat. And I, oh, I didn't even realise, I mean, I'd seen them hopping around, well, not hopping around, darting around. Yeah. I sort of thought they were thornbills. But then a couple of years ago, they nested over my table in the in the um, gum over my table. Okay. So you could see them coming into the nest. Are and, they? Um, and they were weebills. Oh, they're gorgeous little things. They are because they've got a bit of colour on them. Yeah. Yeah. There. Yeah. That's them. Pretty as pretty. Very little. Are sweet. they uncommon? Common? I don't think they're that uncommon. No. It's just you can't see them. Because <laughs> it's too weird, <laughs> and they move so fast. You know, they flit, yeah, okay. and and they move quite high. They seem to like <clears throat> the gum trees. Mm. They they nested in the gums, and they seem to feed in the gums, and they feed quite high. Mm. So you can't tell whether they're a puddle or a thornbill or a whatever else might yeah. be. You know, but because they nested in the one just over the table, you had uh, you could see line them. of sight. Yeah, you had and. I had my open garden that year and and people were queuing up to sit under the tables, <laughs> sit on the table so they could watch. It was just gorgeous. And they didn't mind all the people. Yeah. They yeah. just treated us like cows or whatever. You know? <laughs> just blobs in their way. I, 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 um, I, I must come and see your garden, Virginia. I, I, I've not... Yet eyeballed your garden, and I feel which very, is ridiculous given silly. how long we've known each other. I know it other. is. It's it's silly. I will, I will have to address that. It's on my list as well. Yeah. yeah. Now somebody <laughs> has just somebody called Linda has just texted in saying my favourite purple orange combination is the bicolour wallflower, and I agree with John about the eucalyptus spathulata. Nice. So that's that's excellent. There are yeah there are there are beautiful. I mean there are mallet. Um, which is a, a sort of a mallee without a lignotuber. Um, so, yeah, it's called the swamp mallet, but beautiful form. Um, there's a couple of subspecies. One's got greyer foliage, but the bark is just gorgeous. I love um, mallees. I think there's something very special about the mallees. Yep. Yes. Yeah, beautiful. Now, let me just give – I am Virginia Hayward, and with me is John Arnott and Chloe Thompson. You're listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. And our talkback line is 94190155.
and our text is 0488 809 855. And if you want to send an email, 3cr.gardening at gmail.com. But that won't get picked up till next week, obviously. Yep. We can't be reading, talk to people and read. Whew. Especially not me. <laughs> <laughs> with your with your glass glass challenges. Glasses oh, my glasses challenges. challenges. Yes, I mean it's this changing, having to change. That's mm. what drove me to get new glasses when I realised that to actually read the text on the on the television, I had to put on a pair of glasses, okay. take off my long distance glass. Oh, no, yeah, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Got to accept. And I've always had fantastic sight, so it was very hard. St- I didn't have to do any of this till I was well into my forties, and usually it happens earlier. Yeah. So I was, you know, I I wasn't happy. Not happy, Jan. <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless. Um, oh, and Susie, one of our producers, has just texted in, loving the conversation this morning. Oh, good on you, Susie. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's <thanks>. lovely. Because <laughs> <laughs> we never know, do we? No, no. And I, I think it was, what was it, about a month ago that the three of us were on. And mm. remember the horrible audio issue that we had for oh, about the first right. ten minutes? That yeah. feedback thing, yeah. Yeah. yeah it was dreadful, wasn't so it? So it's nice to have a show where there's no weird audio for yeah, the yeah. first ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That was very strange. It was yeah, strange. Right. So if anyone's listening to it back, be aware that it does stop after yes. about the first ten I don't minutes. think it was as long as ten minutes. Wasn't it? it? No. Oh, just, but it did off, feel like it was half an hour. It like forever, didn't it? <laughs> it very mm. difficult. Yep. Hey, I've just been down in East Gippsland on a, on a work trip, um, which, is, which was uh, marvellous. There's a, Victoria's, Australia's newest botanic garden in Malakuta. Oh. Um, now it's a tiny, it's a it's a corner block, so it's a house block size botan- okay. botanic garden. Is um, it surrounded by other houses? Uh, no, it's right in right right in the centre of town, um, next to the Parks Vic office, looking out over the Malakuta Inlet. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful site. Can it get bigger? Was my thought. No, 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 no. <laughs> and it's it's uh, a garden which is for the community of the community and driven by the community. Um, the Malakuta is. The, I mean, the Black Summer fires, uh, that whole eastern corner of Victoria, it, you know, it was the firestorm. Mm. Um, the community kind of rallied post, um, post fires and thought a, a place of reflection, yeah. a, um, to, to do something sort of positive and affirmative as a, as a, as a community. So they, they rallied around. Um, I think Malakuta's got a population of about 2,000 people and um, uh, the Friends of Malakuta, uh, you know, the majority of the community are associated with the Friends group. Gee, um, and it was just such a, such a beautiful thing. We were, we, were taking, we were donating some plants that we've grown on at the Cranbourne Garden and we were doing some planting. Um, and people were walking past and just loving the fact that this, this, this garden is, is, is there. It's called the Malakuta Endemic Garden. Uh, oh, nice. It, so mm, it is endemic. It's endemic. And just uh, uh, it's portraying all of the sort of the, the main sort of ecosystems associated with that far east corner of Victoria. Um, just a lovely community project. Uh, and, um, you know, they've joined BGANs and, um, you know, we're going to assist them with plant records. And but Explain but, uh, what BGANs is. BGANs is Botanic Gardens of Australia and New Zealand. So it's the peak industry group for botanic gardens in our part of the world. 
And, um, and it's become quite an important organisation. Very much so. Mm. Yeah, very much so. Um, but yeah, just a, a really lovely community uh, project focusing on the um, Indigenous law in and around Malakuta. That sounds amazing. It was beautiful. But, um, and far as Gippsland, it, it, it is... Uh, it's a real melting pot of, uh, of flora. There's a whole bunch of East Coast species that just come into eastern Victoria. You get to about the Mitchell River just out of Bairnsdale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the flora changes. It's more like the East Coast of East Coast flora. Yep. So there's a whole heap of things that are just on the edge of their range um, coming into you know, Malakuta and surrounds that sort of East Gippsland Triangle. Mm. <clears throat> so we, we were botanising <clears throat> pretty hard. Uh, in the car, and we climbed up a, a, a mountain called Genoa Peak, and from Genoa, it's only five hundred meters, so it's not a it's not a huge peak. Beautiful climb, um, and at at the very peak, you can see forever. Like you can look across Bass Strait, you can, you're looking into the um, the inlet of Malakuta. You, you can see the mountains in New South Wales. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's like a three hundred and sixty degree panorama, mm-hmm. quite quite beautiful. Um, and the the largest peak that you can see from the top of Genoa Peak is a a, a peak called um, Mount Imlay, which is actually in New South Wales. And I've got a couple of little babies here. Um, this is Baronia imlayensis. Um, oh, wow! So it only only occurs on that mountain peak. Um, Whoa! Alongside another three or four things, there's a eucalypt that only occurs on that particular mountain peak. But this baronia, I mean, if it occurs on one peak, of course it has conservation significance. So Huge. it's an endangered species. Um, and they're uh, one of the aspirations for the for the Malakuta Garden is to have holdings of some of the threatened species in and around um, in and around Malakuta. So there's a plant conservation. It's like you know, serious. It's a serious botanic garden. Um, you know, and which, I presume the eucalypt you will try and grow down at Cranbourne. We've got, actually got some seed of it. Yeah, oh, good, yeah, good. yeah. It's a, it's a uh, because a that gorgeous thing. One fire and it's gone. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, maybe not. Maybe. Well, who knows? The f- fire is really interesting. Um, I mean, that whole east, southern New South Wales and East Gippsland. I mean, it was a it was a fire. It was it's a fire on a scale that no one has experienced before. We haven't lost a single species to, to, to the fires. So nothing has become extinct. It, it, you know, populations have been completely smashed. But all the re-sprouters have re-sprouted and all of the reseeders yep. have reseeded. Um, the issue is the frequency. Um, yes. So everything's bounced back. Um, I and mean, the- it, it still is very, very confronting to see, you know, just thousands and thousands and thousands of hectares of, of, of burnt trees and dead trees and things that are coming back. Yep. But the, 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 the other thing, of course, is the deer. Uh, and the deer, the, uh, deer and pigs. Mm. Um, but the, the, the real issue with fire is um, frequency and intensity. Yep. So everything's bounced back. Um, the flora looks remarkable. Mm. In fact, it, you know, it's, it's been given a sort of a reboot. Um, bit of another fire if that intensity happened, you know, within five or ten years. There's a whole bunch of trees that take you know, 15, 20, 30, 40 years to reach sexual maturity so they can produce the seed bank on yep. the forest floor. And if another fire, fire comes through, there is no reserve, mm-hmm. no more reserve in the, in the, in the um, soil. So there's not a seed bank in the soil. It hasn't been established, re-established yet. So that's the issue. Yep. If a fire comes in too frequently... It'll be an advantage for the for the species that are actually fire colonisers, mm-hmm. uh, and those things that you know take a, a while uh, to bounce back yep. might might drop out. 
So, yeah, Mount Imlay, uh, this little Baronia imlayensis. It's, uh, I wonder if it's going to be – you know how some Baronias are quite difficult to grow. So, look, some, they are notoriously <laughs> difficult to grow. It's actually a really interesting group. Um, there's about 160 individual species of, of Baronia in the flora of Australia, so it's actually a, a, quite a diverse genus. Mm. Um, Do you know if this one has a smell? It, uh, I, I, I feel like we should crush it, but there's only about five leaves. <laughs> yeah, no, let's not do <laughs> no, that. Let's not, let's do, not that. do that. No, it does have aromatic foliage. And the, fl- uh, the flowers as uh, well? Don't know. Yeah. Don't know. Um, and there's another baronia in the, in the Grampians, which is a gorgeous little plant. So I think there's eight or nine um, baronias in the Victorian flora. Mm-hmm. We tend to think of them as being Western Australian, which, again, that's the hot spot for, yep. for baronias. But this little baronia imlayensis. So that's going back to the Cranbourne Gardens. Beautiful. Um, it's, yeah, they're struggling to, to grow it at Malacuta, so we, we're going to try and grow it on and um, produce some mother stock. And mm, because one of the things that you've got it down there at Cranbourne is like such a lot of experience now. Partic- partic- you can do things that other people struggle with. It's one of the joys of working in a botanic garden is that we've... That, um, the that skill level is so high. The skill level's high and there's a sort of a mandated... Um, there's a requirement... Um, if botanic gardens aren't doing this work, who who, who will yeah. and who would? Um, so yeah, there's 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 a sort of a mandate and and a, and a need for us to be able to work out the protocols for cultivating these the, these things. Were these grown from seed? These, these ones? were grown from, from yeah. seed. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And and we're uh, collecting a, a couple of prostanthras um, from East Gippsland, mm-hmm. which are really 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 tricky to grow. Mm. Um, and just driving back on, we were just working at, we were just workshopping um, <laughs> how, how we might try and tackle these um, prostantheras. And we think we're going to graft them. Okay. We, yeah. So, you know, there's someone called Tony Hughes who's been doing, uh, at the Gordon Tafe in Geelong, he's been doing quite a bit of work on grafting of prostantheras because some of them are a bit tricky. Mm-hmm. Some of them are dead easy. You know, yeah. The rotunda folias and the yeah. lacinanthos. Yeah, old boots. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But, but, yeah, some of them are a bit tricky, so. Okay. But 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 again, I do find I do find grafting in the wholesale industry irritating. You know when I see um, passion fruit grafted, oh yeah, and they're charging twice as much for a grafted passion fruit, and it's just poison. Yeah, all you know is you're going to get a whole you're just lot going of to get weedy the root stock coming up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yes, indeed. It's a shocking idea. Yeah, and they and there is that <clears> habit <throat> to graft because it's easier because you can have everything coming out exactly the same exactly the same time. Yeah, and that irritates me because yeah. I don't think something should be grafted, especially yeah. not passion fruit. <laughs> yeah, you know, passion fruit's ridiculous. I would like a grafted. Eggplant, because apparently you can have mm-hmm. perennial eggplants if you oh, really? them. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> really? Really that, that'd, like be, that'd be good. Yes. That'd be good. We were, we were musing on the way back as to um, – <clears throat> we were looking at, at some scavolas and some dampieras, some of the, the kind of wildflower things, and lots and lots of diversity. And we were, we were musing whether some of those herbaceous um, Australian plants might be able to be grafted as a, as a mechanism for getting onto more robust rootstock. Um, so we think we're going to have a crack at that. Goodness. But Might have to give Roger a call just to see if anyone's done it before. But surely one Roger of Roger Elliott, as in Elliott and Jones. Yes, Roger. as in expert. As in expert, Roger. <laughs> Real expert. And Gwen. <laughs> <laughs> but surely one of the problems with grafting is that they're not going to reproduce in the same – I mean, you get the stronger root stock, root stock on the grafted version, but 
they're not going to propagate all over the garden with grafted roots. No, no, no. So you've still got a problem. Yep. Probably in, in that instance, it's a mechanism of um, being able to grow them because these prostanthras, I think winter wet and cold is the thing that knocks them. Right. Um, so it's a bit so, like bringing those Western Australian things in. Yes, you know, right. Some grevilleas and things like that are banksias. Really is a, a better on a graft because the they the, can cope with, they can cope with the colder mm, winter, yeah, yeah colder yep. wetter winter, yeah, for sure. Yes, and uh, I mean, the weirdest thing's been happening in my garden. I've developed because I'm stupid, I've developed a new garden bed, <laughs> and you know, I have no way of managing what I've got, so why I've done it, I've no <laughs> idea. But I planted a couple of small banksias in it because I decided, well, one sensible thing would be to grow some things that get. I don't want anything high because it'll cut the view, but sprawly yeah. mm-hmm. because yeah. then I've got less to look after. So, And I've got banksias all over the garden, never had a problem with them. Don't look at them for a couple of days. Go back. They're all down to about half an inch high and half an inch wide because the rabbits have eaten them. Oh, that's oh. A shame. They've never eaten banksias before. Really? Hmm. They've just Is it because they're novel, new? I presume. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure once if I if I can get them big. Yeah. I, my new garden now has got. I saw a whole lot of um, metal strainers um, being thrown out somewhere. Grabbed them. Oh, lots idea. of metal strainers in the garden. <laughs> yep. <laughs> lots of bits of chicken wire. <laughs> it's a really attractive oh. garden. <laughs> I'm gardening in varieties of metal. <laughs> And even worse, some plastic. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't have a problem with rabbits at my place. But what? I, no, I don't have any rabbits at my place. Fabulous. I know. It's great. I think they're too scared to come up my hill. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't have any rabbits. But in the, what, an hour and a half that we were out yesterday morning at one of my son's basketball games, a mob of cockies came through. Oh, God. Shredded my rhubarb. The rhubarb? The rhubarb. So they were on the ground. Yes. Yeah, wow. shredded my rhubarb and virtually halved my sweet peas. What? Yep. Mm. And, okay, oh, like little, and, you know, ripped, pulled rhubarb out and then you can see they've obviously had a bite of the leaf and gone, yuck. Yeah. But then they've chewed the stem of the rhubarb and left like mushed up ch- you know, a tube stem yeah, yeah. of the rhubarb and they've just left it all over the place. Vandals. Vandals. <laughs> Well, co- <laughs> cockies are bad, but oh. I, I find the other parrots, they just after years, they've developed a taste for the magnolias. They've never touched them until really? last oh. year. Yeah. I think it's mainly the rosellas. Oh, oh, yeah. the, the flower buds themselves? Yep. Yeah. In half. Never oh. take out a whole one, just ha- go half on all of them. I mean, you know, you can't complain when it's. No. And, and the possum. <laughs> she Ooh, is, that is a look of oh, disdain. She Virginia. is so gorgeous. <laughs> but she is the sweetest little thing, but she has just ring barked my um, crab apple. Oh, I've no idea what's going to happen. Mm. Just ring barked it. I just need leaves on it so she can't find it anymore. Yeah, I've never really had possum problems, but she was nesting in the garage. Then I've or my daughter arrived with the dog, so she's moved. I think she's moved into the ceiling, which is a bit of unfortunate. So it's a, it's a ring tail. Ring tail, yeah. yep. She's divine. Yeah. Very cute. But she also has found a way into the vegetable garden. Somebody last year dug up the beetroot. Oh. Um, and I didn't really see it happening and would go to pick a beetroot and out it had come and there'd be no 
Root. Root. <laughs> just They'd left the leaves. Half. Yeah. Mm. So. Uh, the challenges of, of gardening and wildlife. Garden. I yes. struggle with nature. And I found a dead, what I thought was a rat, and it was dying and I just left it. I didn't want, you know, I kept the dogs away, I just let it. Mm. Yep. I could see there was no hope for it. Let but when, take its I, when I looked at it, it was much too fat for a rat, and I think it was um, oh. a native. Oh, maybe. Ben, who comes and does the show, yeah. he's got, I can't remember what he calls them, but fat rats that are natives. Like bandicoot? No, no, it's no. a rat. It's a rat. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, it'd be a swamp rat. A, yeah, maybe. Maybe a swamp rat. Maybe. And, yeah. and, and he says they're very porky. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, a bit like me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but and it was I uh, was very sad that this little thing had died. Yeah. But I wondered if this was what was getting into my because I could have been there. Could have been, yeah. 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 I don't poison because I'm worried about mm-hmm. the birds. Yeah, I've got secondary poisoning. I've yeah. got a grey um a grey hawk or in at the moment. And you know, I don't and I used to have owls and I used to have a lot more of that sort of thing, and they're just not around. And I mm. think it's because everybody in the street's always poisoning. Yeah, rodenticides. Rodents. Yeah, mm. that's yep. nasty. Not good. Which yep. is, so I don't poison. And I did have a period of trapping, but I can't. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> I used to be a veterinary nurse when I was a student and did horrible things, you know, working on ruptured bowels in dogs and all sorts of things. But nowadays I'm, I can't even drown a rat. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very sad. When we were climbing uh, Mount Imlay, there was a pair of wedge-tailed eagles Ooh. just hovering. I've got a wedgie, two just, wedgies. It was really close, like being you know, within ten meters. Yeah, of us. It was they're majestic, and animals. they're huge when they come up close. Majestic. Now yeah. we have got several texts which I'm going to work through, but one of them says, "Please give the number." So I'm sorry about that. This is Virginia Hayward. I'm on the 3CR Gardening Show, and the talkback line is nine four one nine o one double five. The text is o four double eight eight o nine eight double five. And Chloe has texted in saying, John, please tell us the other Mount Imlay endemics. Uh, um, There's uh, Eucalyptus Imlayensis. I think there There might be quite a lot of Imlayensis. Imlayensis, yes, yeah. (laughs) Um, I think there's five, and it might be a. Look, I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll quickly have a look. But I think there might be a Dodonia. And maybe a Korea. Oh, I'll love, have a quick look. I I'll love Dodonias. Yeah. I think that's one of the nicest things in my garden. They're great, aren't they? Oh, wonderful. Yeah, plant. Lo- lovely. That's great. the native hop. Native mm. hop bush, yeah. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I have, while he looks that up, <laughs> I have a question for you, Chloe. Oh, okay. Kerry has texted in, given it's nearly September, is there any point in planting out the self seeded tomato plants that are in my garden? Oh, well, look, technically tomatoes shouldn't really be put into soil unless the soil's around the 18 degrees temperature. Um, I did have a few random tomato seeds pop up in my garden as well, obviously from the compost that I'd thrown around. Um, but I just tend to pull them out because I can't be bothered babysitting them. Or And the first frost will knock them as well. Well, she doesn't first say... Frost or a frost will knock them. She doesn't say where she is. But yeah, that's true. I would leave them till they got a bit bigger because another, see. another few weeks, I think we'll prob- you'll probably be safe to move them. Yeah, look, I tend to plant... At my place, I'll be planting tomatoes generally about mid-October. 
um, I've got a soil thermometer and I measure the soil temperature and I pop my tomato seedlings out as soon as it's safe to do so. So if you're in an area where it still gets really cold overnight and you were worried they might get hit by a frost and you did want to keep them, you could make a little cloche for them if you wanted to. Or you could put them in a pot and cloche exactly. them. Exactly. Yep. Mm. Transplant them into a pot, cloche them or pop them in a glass house or um, even just, you know, on a sunny veranda so they don't get hit by frost. I've had, I've got a covered vegetable garden mm-hmm. and my, I've got tomatoes ripening that have been green on the plant the whole winter. Wow. And because it's covered, it's warm well, enough. Because I've had frost this year. Yep. I mean, frost rolls off the hill for me, yes. which is a great advantage. Mm. So I don't tend to That's lose good. them. Yep, that is good. Yeah, but, And I mean, my gra- I've got grapes and my grapes, one year there was a really late frost in October and everyone lost their grapes yeah. and I didn't lose mine yep. because it just rolls down the hill. Yep. So that's something. Mm. Now, we actually have a call here from... Mm-hmm. Liz in Mount Eliza. Good morning, Liz. Oh, good morning, Virginia and panel. Um, great radio. This has got feedback. Hang on, I'll walk away. <laughs> um, that's better. I haven't got the radio on. Excellent. I've learned. Um, daffodils. So, Virginia, I'm very, very envy, envious of your thousand daffodils. Um, I have... I'm turning this radio off now. Yes. <laughs> I have about two dozen, maybe more, um, and they're all in one area, and I've either got them from Jane or from Tesla's over the years, and I've got them in clumps, um, and they always come up every year, but, and I've got different varieties too, mm. they, they have this incredibly long, thin, stalk and when it flowers it goes plop all of them all of them are they in enough sun i was hoping you wouldn't ask that question (laughs) because no they're not in sun sun but i'm thinking of britain how they're all no they're not in sun sun i'm wondering in britain they tend to be under deciduous trees so they're getting these are under and that's what I was thinking. And again, I'm, I'm not knowledgeable enough, but I was thinking. Um, I've got a crepe myrtle, and the crepe myrtle, all the leaves, and I just let them rot. So it's been, it's, there's about, I don't know, six, seven years of rotted leaf well, that, um, in this little garden patch. That's going to be very good for them. I love it. Yeah. So, so you don't think there should be some other, other than brown rotting leaves that I'm not, that the bulbs are um, deficient in. Um, what's your soil like? Oh, at Mount Eliza, it's sandy, but I'm very conscious of the soil and I'm very much a Craig-type right. person where I'll, I'll fling everything and I've, I've always I've got a compost bay. Everything gets thrown in there all the time. I'm not saying it's perfect by any stretch, but it's certainly not bare. I, I've constantly got... And this is a tiny little bed I've got outside my window. Well, I have to say that I think if you've got thin stalks on your daffodil flowers, my instinct, and I don't know, and I'm not trying to give you the flick, Liz, but (laughs) (laughs) next week Jane is in. Yeah. Yeah. So I would... would I'll wait for Jane. I'd ring in again. I suspect it's light. Yep. Right, Okay. 
You can, I move, I've just moved some of my daffodils, which seems crazy and they won't, they won't be happy. I'll have to wait till next year. But sometimes you just do what you have to do. And oh, and, and I, I'll move them to the other side of the um, garden. Um, but they get light, they get heaps of light and okay. they get they, um, lots of light. It's not dark, not at all. Okay. They wouldn't get right now, they wouldn't get direct sunlight. The other side of the garden gets the direct sunlight. Well, so they're cer- they're certainly out. I mean, um, the, yeah, but they grow. They look good, and then the flower that just falls over, and it just goes. Mm. I reckon it's a carryover question. Yes, I yeah. think. Okay. Be- okay. I think we'll we'll get you to ring in next week. Yep. And have Shall a talk do. to Jane because if anyone will know, Jane yep. will know. Yeah, okay. And All we right. can rely on her then. Okay. Thank you. All <laughs> okay. right, guys. Thanks Thank a lot. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey, for Chloe, um, all I can find is uh, there's a, a hibertia, um, which is also an endemic, uh, which is Connie's guinea flower, hibertia circinate. Uh, there's prostranthera walteri, um, uh, which also occurs in Victoria, so I don't think it's uh, a, a Mount Imlay endemic. Um, but there's certainly those three, mm-hmm. and I thought I thought there was a couple more. So there's Eucalyptus imlayensis, Baronia imlayensis, uh, and Hibertia circinae, which is Connie's guinea flower. And Mount Imlay is one of those uh, cloud catcher um, uh, mountains. It's it's often shrouded in in, in clouds, so it's yep. a bit like a cloud foresty um, uh, setup. Um, Yes, so it's a you know, significant peak. Yep. Ben is obviously listening to the show, Ben from Treasured Perennials, and he said the rat Virginia was talking about is Mastacomys fucus, the rare native broad-toothed rat, there commonly you go. called oh. Chubby Cheeks. <laughs> we have a few colonies on our property. Oh, good on you, Ben. And Josephine in Mornington, I've planted a weeping mulberry tree, which is about six foot, and it's in a courtyard. Is this suitable location? I've heard they've got troublesome roots. I don't believe in troublesome roots. I believe in bad plumbing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um, How big is It's a weeping mulberry? On a standard, is a weeping, that, is that, No, yeah. it's a weeping mulberry. One presumes it's probably grafted. Probably. On a standard? Yeah, uh, possibly. Potentially, yeah. yeah. I mean, it seems to me that if you've got plastic pipes, the plants don't get to know that the water is there and they don't yeah. chase it. Yeah. So I do think it is a plumbing problem. Yep. Mm. I mean, trees will tend to raise... Um, Pots, well, not pots, what you call them, pavers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they'll, they'll, that, that sort of root plate heave. Yeah. 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 But, you know, say la. One needs, one needs shade. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I think it's a good choice. choice. I think it's a good choice. Um, if anything, you know, to make messy. sure that it's not trying to send off its roots to go and look for nutrients and look for water, make sure that you're watering that drip zone of the tree yep. and make sure you're fertilising the drip zone of that tree. So, you know, the drip zone being that the outermost edge of the tree, make sure you're watering and fertilising in that zone. So you're not really encouraging it to go searching for more nutrients and more food. And maybe a bit of mulch and... A bit of mulch, yeah. yeah just and some good good horticultural practice. Exactly. Yeah. And yes, 
enjoy the mess that's going to... Yeah. <laughs> yes, I would say the problem with mulberries <clears throat> is not the roots, but it's the fruit. <laughs> Especially if it's the red ones, yeah. but yes. yeah. But yes, good luck. I think it sounds nice. I like that. And Val from Cheltenham wants to know how to increase the size of my imperial mandarins and also when and how should I feed my olive tree? She's in Cheltenham, so sandy soils. Sandy, yep. Um, Fertiliser. Yeah. Yep. Fertiliser. And consistent watering. And consistent watering, yeah. Yeah. This is for the mandarin. Yeah, it's been quite a dry winter. Um, So consistent watering, um, particularly for a nice juicy (laughs) mandarin. Um, And, you know, even if they are small, make sure you're tasting them. My parents' ones are tiny, but God, they're sweet and juicy. (laughs) Uh, And was it feeding um, How much should I feed my olive tree? I don't feed mine at all. No, 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 they're, they're not. Typically, something that will chase no. too much in the way of addition, additional nutrients. You chuck a handful of chook poo pellets on it once a year and that's it. That's it, yeah. <laughs> and we, I think also probably the mulching story yep. with yep. both of them. Yep. Mm. yep. So that you've got something breaking down and feeding into that sandy soil. Yep. Uh, if, if you just keep putting stuff on top of it, you will make... Topsoil. Yes. Yeah, you'll make the soil better, especially with the citrus <clears throat> with their shallow roots as well. But olives in sandy soil are absolutely fine. We've we've got an olive that, uh, olive tree in our garden that hadn't been watered. Incredibly and you, hydrophobic, sandy. You rotten base. sandy soil. Yeah, mm. it's that, so coastal grey sands and, and, and this olive, it's just leapt out of the ground. We, we planted it four or five years ago and what a yield we had last this year. What did you do with them? We're brining them. Wow. Mm. Yeah, but like. I reckon we filled, uh, you know, like garden buckets, three buckets wow. full of fruit. Do from you one find, tree. From one tree. Do you find that sort of, you know, one year you'll get loads <clears> and then <throat> the next year is, yeah, so they're I find cyclical. that very much with my walnut. Yeah. I have a good year, then I have a bad year, yeah. then I it's have a good It's pretty common. Year. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> and we've pruned, we've pruned the plant yep. um, back to a structure, so we, it'll probably take another two or three years for, to get another yield. Yeah. Um, but based on the amount of if, – if the brining works, mm. um, I think we've got olives for us and our friends for the next three years. <laughs> <laughs> it was a hell of a yield. Mm. Um, well, I've got uh, about five. And five I, olives or olive trees. Olive trees. <laughs> and I never pick them. Yeah. I just can't be bothered. <laughs> they are a lot of work to preserve. But mm. once yeah, you find are. a technique that, you you know, works, then, yeah, I think it's worthwhile. So I've, I, I Googled about, I don't know, five or six different techniques and we're going with the sort of the brining, change the brine every couple of weeks method. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're starting to, I mean, olives when... Unbrined olives are yep. hideous. Oh, they're disgusting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it just inedible. They do something to your tongue. Like, <laughs> um, but they're starting. We we changed the water yesterday and had a go at a couple. And they were, they're getting there. Mm. You have is, to bring a jar in. Then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, I think we we <clears> should bring a jar to the um, the garden party that we're having yes. in November. Yes, that's a good I idea. So yeah. the people that are coming to that can yep. actually taste your olives. Yes. That'd be I, fun. I have no idea what variety it is. Um, as long as it's not Russian. What's wrong with Russian? It's weedy. Oh, weedy as all okay. hell. I'm always getting olives popping up in my garden. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and there's the African olive as well, yeah. I think, is a bit weedy. Yeah, actually, it's, it, that is, uh, some people call it Russian. Russian, it is the, right. I think it might even be Africanus. Yeah, yeah. okay, um, yeah. Yeah, I think it is only uh, Africanus, mm. yeah. Mm. Mm. There you go. But I, I 
do f- I mean I don't find them difficult to get rid of. Yep. That yep. you just pull them out of the weeds I've got. That lovely yellow flower that they think is so beautiful when my friends come from Britain at this time of year. But, on the, but, but on, quite weedy. Quite, no, I'm talking about the oxalis. That's oh, all oxalis. Oh, oxalis. I'm thinking the gorse. Like, <laughs> what, what's no, that's a bad one. Yeah. No, don't have any gorse, but oh boy, do I have some oxalis. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've, we've got a fair, we've got a, a, a oxalis floral display in our, <laughs> our veggie plots at the moment. <laughs> and I, I've, I don't even try and get rid of it. I do tend to just take it back, mm-hmm. you know, like, Try and weaken the bulbs a bit. Yep. yep. Yeah. But I can't, and I can't be bothered. There's yeah, that's just too much of it. Well, that's what something I was going to say for the listeners out there if they're struggling with oxalis. If you can just make sure you don't let it flower, yeah. because not letting it flower just weakens that bulb or the little bulblets mm. under the ground. Yeah, okay. And then the following seasons, the, the plants will be a lot weaker and yeah. a lot smaller. Um, I have a patch that pops up under my clothesline in some um, pebbles under the clothesline. And because I have not let that flower in five years, four or five years, the plants that come up are really weak, weak. really miserable. Yeah, yeah. um, And, yeah, they're great. Whereas originally, when they first came up in the pebbles, you know, they were 20 centimetres tall in five seconds. Mm. So, yeah, don't let them flower. I have let ours flower. (laughs) (laughs) Bad, bad, bad. No, I I go around and just... Hoe them, you know, take it, take them take off. Take the tops yep. off, yeah. 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 Um, and just leave it there to rot down. Yeah, yep. weaken them over time. Mm. Yeah, But I have to say I've been doing it for a long time and they're still there. Yeah, they they'll are, persist, yeah. They are actually edible as well. Have you ever tried them? Mm. Yeah, they're nice lemony, zingy, zingy. kind of rockety. Yeah. Yeah, so if you're not using sprays, then, yeah, chuck some in your salad. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> when we, um, I mentioned earlier spraying the, the, the lawn out, uh, so we spray, spray the lawn out and... Uh, the first things to emerge in spring, or it was actually maybe in early, early in winter, was um, oxalis. Mm-hmm. So there was, and I think, okay, well, that's a joy. We've got oxalis in the garden. And a little thing called romulea, which is a, 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 a gorgeous little um, lily with a pink flower, but almost impossible to get rid of. Okay. So one of those ones we've just had to persist, yep. except that we're going to get a flush of um, uh, growth in um, early winter mm-hmm. and just chip away at it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, one of the good things with oxalis, it's so seasonal. As soon as we get those hot days, yep, it, it curls out. its toes up, it's gone. Yep. Mm. So, you know, don't panic. No. It'll be gone. Yes, quite. Um, but I'd better weed my veggie boxes when I get home. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Chloe says she's going to do the Imlay work. She's heading up that way next oh, month. fantastic, she? Chloe. Yep, so she thinks she'll have a go at that. Hey, Chloe, climb on your way through. Go to Genoa Peak. Um uh, it is it's one of the, the nicest uh, bushwalks that I've that I've I've done, and that three hundred and sixty degree panorama sounds amazing. So if you if you do that, Chloe, climb um, Genoa Peak, you'll see Mount Imlay. Uh, it's about forty kilometres due north. Um, yeah, I'd do that on the way through, Chloe. Pete from Notting Hill, who's one of our absolute regulars. Has a lemon-scented gum which loses its bark every year over the summer. I mm. find quite a few of my eucalyptus. Yep. That's when they lose it and yep. it's messy. Yeah, very messy. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of um, eucalyptus with deciduous bark. Mm. It's, um, yeah, just the way they're, they're, they're kind of wired. Mm. Um, and that's that, but that's how you get the, the gorgeous, White. fresh yeah. um, bark un- uh, underneath. It's, um, yeah... But they are. It is messy, um, you know. Same with you know, 
Carimbia maculata and there's a bunch uh, of... And I've got a candle bark and it is in, in, right by the driveway and it's always throwing huge amounts of bark down onto my driveway. Yeah. And it shades the house, which is lovely in summer, but in winter it's a damn nuisance. But did you did you plant it? No. No. It's a stupid place to have planted it, but it is so beautiful there's nothing I can do about it. Mm. Mm. And the birds love it and it's big. Yeah, yeah. And, you, you know, those bigger birds, they need things that are big. I, yeah. I get Structure. upset when I see people chopping down pine trees because we've already taken out all the things that the yellowtail black cockatoos eat. Yep. If we take out the big pine trees as well, mm. they'll have nothing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, they've really adapted to, um, they love, to, to the pines. Yeah. They throw them at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's absolutely no doubt that they think it's fun and they throw them at you. <laughs> There's Virginia down there. I'm going to have yeah. a pot shot. Quick, who can get her? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was close. <laughs> they do. It's exactly. And you can hear them talking about it. Yeah. I do like n- their call. It's very nice. Yeah. No doubt. I, and I will get 30 going overhead sometimes, which is just wonderful. Yeah. Yellowtail? Yellowtail. Yeah. Never. Do, you, do you ever get the red tail? No. No. We've. I think we've just destroyed their habitat. Yeah. They've mm. become, in the up in Yarra Valley, they seem... I don't know anybody who sees them, and what we've done is we've logged. Mm. We've, we've got to make paper. Let's take out all the red-tailed black cockatoos' homes. Yeah. yeah. I think casuarinas and that group are really important for for, uh, for, for that group of birds as well. I've mm. planted three casuarinas for them. Great. Yep. Good. Yeah, nice. Good on you. I've definitely uh, seen some in my casuarinas. And yeah. Happily. And the other thing sure. Pete says is his, la, um, his Dombea... Cacuminum, I said that mm-hmm. smoothly, didn't yeah. I? His Dombea is just starting to flower and looks absolutely wonderful. Now, Dombea was one of the ones that Diggers is saying would be a good substitute because we really have got to stop planting trees that are not going to cope in 90 years or 60 years yeah. Yeah. or even 30 years' yeah. time. That we need, as the botanic gardens have done, we need to have that long-term planning. Future-proofed. When it comes to trees. Yeah. Dombea... They're, Afri- they're an African um, yeah. genera. Yeah. Uh, in- interesting plants, in- interesting group of plants. There's one in the Chinese border. Oh, okay. And it's huge and it's got huge roots that sit on top of the soil. So yeah. I'm not sure was what that, I think about it. Was that Dombeo natalensis, possibly? I would have to ask Terry. Yeah. I don't think it's properly labelled. Yeah, okay. As people like to steal labels it's always hard to keep things but labeled in, interesting foliage plants as well you know, got, mm. you know inter- interesting foliage interesting flowers well they're an int- i mean they're definitely a tree that we should be looking at yeah dombea that's d o m b e y a dombea common name strawberry snowball tree that's a nice common name yeah yeah and i'm just looking at the flowers and the foliage as you said it's it's quite droopy but very large kind of maple leaf yeah. fish like yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. But a very dark green as well. Um, so it looks very nice. A good shade tree. Yeah. Potentially, yeah. That's an unusual thing to be growing in a garden. Good. It is. Who, who is the, the, the person? Who? Uh, well, it's uh, Pete from Notting Hill. Oh, Pete. Well, he, good on you, Pete. That's a that's an un- uncommon plant that you've got there. But yeah. he only has uncommon plants. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. He is an absolute plant a nerd. A collector. He's a nerd. Great. Good on you, Pete. <laughs> He's really interesting. Love your work. <laughs> And Rosie from Mount Eliza wants to know how to control weeds in a gravel area. Kettle. 
kettle. The only herbicide I will use at my place is Slasher, the organic okay. herbicide. Um, I've never actually used glyphosate in my life, oh, so I don't stop. know. Have you not? Stop. No, never actually use it, but I'll use Slasher. Rose is on the line. Oh, Rose is on the line. Yes. Beauty, Rose. Oh, she's calling in. Yes, right. sorry, Hi, Rosie. Yes. Oh, we're sorry. Talk, we're talking to you. <laughs> um, I think you've answered my question, though. <laughs> oh, there we go. So, what do you... so I'll use the organic herbicide Slasher, which is a plant oil-based herbicide. So it desiccates, not it's not um, systemic. It's um, a good yeah, contact, contact herbicide. herbicide. It's a contact yeah. That herbicide. was my worry. I really don't like using anything, So, um, yeah. but I've got quite a big gravel area and um, I went to Heronswood the other day and their paths were looking very weed-free <laughs> and uh, I thought, gosh, could I achieve this? Yeah. Um, yeah. I find Slasher great in the paths. Um, it, it's a contact herbicide, so obviously if you spray anything else, it will kill it as well, yes. so just spray the weeds. But in a gravel path as well, at this time of the year, you can use something like a flame weeder or a steam weeder as well. Or the mm-hmm. old Dutch hoe. The Dutch hoe, yeah. Well, yes, I know, but it's it's hard on the arms and the knees. Yeah, and... you get a workout. Yeah. <laughs> you yep. definitely get a yep. workout. And it depends on the gravel as well. I've got 20 mil Tuscan gravel in my on my paths, and that's actually quite difficult to hoe because yeah. the pebbles are quite large. Yeah. So that's um, quite... Uh, loose. Yeah, it's yeah. quite loose rather than, you know, the crushed Been topping compacted. type gravel. But the get, the kettle and the kettle does work. The does, kettle does work. Good. Boiling yeah. water. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. Great idea too. Um, yeah. But I just like things seeding into it. So yes. does Slasher stay in the soil for long? Or no, would it, it be gone? No, no. Okay. About three days it's biodegraded. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. That's um, really helpful. Just a, with, with, sorry, Virginia. Just just with the the slasher, it is you. Would, you wouldn't want to get it on your skin. No, because okay. it is an acid. Yeah. yeah. So I make sure right. you're wearing some gardening gloves. Um, I have yep. gotten it on my bare skin before. It didn't cause third degree burns, but no, it no. does sting. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, and maybe so some it's caustic. Yeah, it's caustic and some. I think the instructions even say to wear some goggles or some you know glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Do you know really what it's? What it is? It the one that's based on pine? It's pelagonium. Pelagonic acid. Yeah, pel- so pelagonic acid. Yeah. Right. Also mm-hmm. called nonanoic acid. It'll say on the label. Right. Um, there is another one right. that's based on pine, but yeah, I found slasher. Really More good. effective. More effective, yeah. yeah. But the pine one's good. Okay. We, uh, years and years and years ago at Cranbourne, we tried uh, to use the, the, the pine-based one, but we were, our, our staff were complaining that it, it was so... Um, it's really strong. Strong scented yeah. that it was giving people headaches and things like that. It so. smells like toilet cleaner, yeah, the okay. pine one. Yeah, yeah. Really, really strong. Like pine are clean on steroids. Exactly, yeah. Whereas <laughs> the slashes are not that, not that <laughs> offensive. <laughs> But there's a, yeah, there's a solution there. Yes, the Hakia Lorena, somebody from the Yarra Valley is, has texted in saying the yellowtail blacks visit the Hakia Lorena and stay there for hours. Yes, yeah, they would. They they would. would. In, in fact, all of those hakias were those, I think, things with those woody, woody, woody fruits. Mm. That they can crack. That they can crack open mm. and work and work over. Yep. But no, hakias, that's a, a beauty. I've got a beautiful hakia in mine. It's white. It's a tree. Oops, see, that's me. Not push the button. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't push the button. Sorry, everybody. Very bad manners. Sorry, you were saying a white. I'm sorry to you, Rosie. I didn't cut you off properly. <laughs> yes, I have a, a tree that is a white hakia. Okay. And it's it has balls. Yep. And it's just beautiful. Gorgeous. And it it gets every single insect in the garden in it. Wow. So they're round, rounded flowers? Like rounded the flowers. And it's beautiful. Yeah. I think it might even be local, endemic. Okay. Stunning. Unfortunately, it also gets all the wasps, but still, it tells mm. you that they're there. Is, there it, is that it? 
No. No. Okay. Much more pincushion like, or yes. as my kids call them, the coronavirus flower. Oh, of course. <laughs> oh, that I've was never... a really good description. Yeah, I've never thought of that Sorry before. if I've now ruined it for everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's fabulous. I think it was also because there's one outside our kitchen window and it was a it started to flower around the time when you know, the, the pandemic started and my kids looked out one day and said, Mum, look, that tree's got coronavirus flowers. <laughs> that makes, so makes, henceforth it yep, is the, the coronavirus, coronavirus plant. plant yep. And you know one of the reasons it's nicer being in here today? Have you noticed that the screens have gone? Oh, they have too. So we're... We can see each, to each other. other. Yes. yes, we haven't there got go. plastic. I knew there us. was something different. There you go. You have just go. pointed it out. Mm. Yeah, indeed. I was halfway through the show before I worked out what it was. It is. Yes, I think um, I, weeds are a problem. You know, I still use bad stuff on my blackberries. Yeah. Because not in the garden. I can pull them out in the garden. Yeah, when they're little. But, but in the paddock. Do you have sort of the big gullies where they're, they're you know, overcome with blackberries and things? I've got, yeah. I've got a bottom paddock, which is big. Yep. And it's got a dam that doesn't work anymore, so it's become a bog area. Oh. And it's got so much habitat. And then I've got a whole lot of trees. Yep. And um, this year I'm just going to have to find someone to come in and cut down all the weed trees. Yep. And I've banned cloven-hoofed animals, so consequently I'm getting a lot more kangaroo grass. Okay. Well, that's good. And good things in there, but I, I, I can't manage it. It's too much for me. Yeah. I, I which mean, is I, a problem. And, and I'm, not, I'm not sure how to manage it. Yeah. You know what I'd love is I would love to do a slow burn on it. I think that would be perfect. Yeah. I wonder if that would knock it. Yeah. But I'm too scared. I can't do that by myself. No. no. I know there's a lady near me who rents out her goats to control blackberries, but if you don't want animals in there to to chew up your blackberries, but I thought that was quite a clever idea. She's got her roaming goats that come and munch up blackberries, in, yeah. particularly in the you know the really hard access gullies and things. I think a few councils are starting to um, work work with goats. I was going to say, but uh, <laughs> um, use goats for. Embankments and you know for blackberry control hmm. and makes a bit of sense. It does make a bit of sense, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Never given it a shot, but I thought no. that was a creative idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. <laughs> Pete's come back with further reference to my dombea. It was planted fifteen years ago. It has five trunks, and it would be eight meters high by six, eight meters high. By six. That's not it, shabby, no, is it? Mm. it's huge. It took five years to flower, but flowers like crazy now. The only other one I've seen in Melbourne was at Don Tisa's house and he cut it down as, as it hadn't flowered for 30 years. Must be too cold up there. Yeah. Mm. He came to our house last year and was in awe of the tree. <laughs> it's next to a large Wagandia. Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> oh, it sounds like a botanic garden, <laughs> doesn't it? it does. Yeah, yeah. It does indeed. Go, hey, Pete. Is that your hakea? Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, it's a hakea elisifolia. 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 Okay. Oh, they're very cute. Very handsome looking Very plant. handsome, yes. Yeah. Oh, Pete's garden sounds fantastic. You should think about um, putting it in the open garden scheme, Pete. Yeah. It sounds like it might be worthy. Yes. Yes. The... Um, the problem is always with open garden is if your garden is small, it can be quite 
difficult to manage the numbers. Yeah, yeah or sure. access. I'm, you yeah, know, my yeah, place, sure. they, they came out to look at my garden and they're still really keen for me to do an open garden, but we've got the, there's no parking on my street. Sure. My driveways are 35 degree, 33 degree slopes. Oh, so, really? That's super yeah, steep. So no disabled access. <clears throat> no. Um, you know, my backyard is multiple stairs to get into. So again, no disabled access. Um, so we, we, Still fairly determined to do it, but mm. we might have to do like small group tours, perhaps rather sure. than just open the gates and and maybe bus people in or well, the get other a mi- like minibus or yeah. yeah. We're talking about doing one up in the Dandenongs, mm. and the idea there is it's going. You can I have to buy your tickets online. Yep. So it can be um, controlled, staggered, or, staggered yeah. and controlled, much timed or, entry type, yeah. and. It'd be one of the ones that's expensive, which is horrible, but then it does discourage the numbers. And yep. if people can't just drop in, that discourages the numbers. Okay. Because with the Dandenongs, I mean, I used to do um, be part of the tours of the Dandenongs and what they did was they ran buses because yeah. it was hopeless mm. bringing people's cars mm. and you just had to stop people. Yep. Mm. How big is your? Could you describe your garden and so what it's size? A quarter and, and acre block. Quarter acre block. Quarter yep. acre block in suburban Hurstbridge. Yep. Um, we're walking distance into town. Okay. But yeah, we're a north-facing slope that's about a thirty-three degree slope. Okay. Um, the house is about halfway up the block, and it's actually been cut into the hill. Okay. So behind the house, there's a, a, a cliff. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a cliff cutting. Yep. And then surrounding the house, I call it little microclimates mm. because we've got you know the south side, the west side, the east side. Yeah. The, the house has all these little microclimate sure. gardens, um, and a lot of the garden beds around the house are by necessity um, retaining walls. Yeah, so okay. I've got retaining walls that are six feet high. Yeah. Right. Um, I didn't put them in. They were obviously put in when the house was built in the 80s. Um, but they're, you know, it's a... When I moved in nine years ago, there wasn't a single plant anywhere. Right, but the, stru- but the structures the were there. The structures were there, yes. Yeah. But no plants. Well, it's sad there was no plants, but the structures are more important. The structures are important. I mean, I have discovered that some of those six-foot-high retaining walls are 90% builder's rubble at the bottom. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Spent a lot of time building up that yeah. soil. Um, but yeah, there was, I don't know, like having a garden bed with no plants in it, they even had a pond under the front stairs. Really? Just a fiberglass pond. With no with water. Nothing. Well, it had water in it, but there was no plants no around. No vegetation. No plants around it anyway. Amazing. I know. And the previous owners had been there for 12 years. Yeah, right. Yeah, just, Virginia's just nearly falling off didn't, the chair. Didn't get around to it. Didn't like plants, didn't grow plants. Mm, yeah. There you go. Blows my mind. Well, my neighbours who planted all those agapanthus in the street... Mm. I've barely planted. They've got beautiful structures, mm. but barely a plant. It does my. How can you live somewhere for twelve years and not put plants? In? I, I, Especially somewhere like Hurstbridge, which it, where where you've got so much bush and, I mean, and so many people with lovely gardens. You know, yep. it is yeah. an area that speaks to a garden. It's green. Yeah, and look, this is pretty much part of why I, you know, created something like Sprout School and why mm. I'm passionate about, you know, using my social media to encourage people to garden, yeah. particularly people who've never gardened before. If they're daunted or they're overwhelmed on where to start, you know, that's what I'm really passionate about. You know, it can, it, it's, it can be in, um, uh, daunting. Yeah. It can be intimidating. Yes. No, just that, oh, I have no idea where to start. 100%. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, it's, a, it's fabulous what you're doing. Oh, it's thanks. really good. Really, yeah, it's really good. good. It's nice seeing people 
become garden nerds and passionate about it. Beautiful. Yeah. What a good thing. Mm. Um, north facing, it must be, must be dry. Yeah, it's quite dry. It's a bit of a running joke that my neighbour over the road, hi Anne, um, has all my topsoil. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're in a gully. So yeah, yeah the neighbours over the road are a lot lower than us. Sure. So it can be quite dry, yeah. yes. Um, but then I also have pockets that are quite deep shade. Okay. Um, but, and it can be quite clay in some spots, mm-hmm. but then actually quite sandy in other areas okay. as well. Highly variable. Highly variable, Oh, it yes. sounds like an that's, interesting block. That's fun for planting. <laughs> it is fun for planting, yeah. Because yeah. I've had to create what shade. I mean, I've got a lot of gum trees. I do have gums, so established gums. But, but they're not good at giving shade for shade plants. And so I've had to try and establish a section of the garden, which mm-hmm. I've done on the south side of the house, because really my big question is always how, what will grow in the north wind. Yep. Mm. It's my first question. Mm. Yes. Then I ask about sun, then I ask about yeah. soil conditions. But the first question is north wind, yeah. Yeah. which I don't think is very nice. So the eucalypts, um, they've been their local eucalypts indigenous Yeah, they're been local. There for years. A lot of ironbarks. Yep. Um, oh, that's like, nice. Yeah, they are. They're gorgeous. Yeah. They're full flower and they're yeah. full of um, you know, rosellas Beautiful. and lorikeets. And Beautiful. Pat, yeah. Pat from Elwood has said that she's got corellas in the plane trees all the time eating the seed pods. Okay. So oh. that's good. We like that. <laughs> I, I have the corellas. For the first, I have a, a hanging thing to feed the parrots. And for the first time, this year, the rosellas have been eating off it. They've never, oh. ever. They they strip the Chinese elm every yeah. autumn. You know, they're around, but they've never sat on my bird feeder unfed. And this year they are. Corellas are, um, they're an interesting bird. You see them in masses and masses and masses. Mm. Um, yeah, flocking. I don't think they're, I think they're as naughty f- as the cockatoos. No. <laughs> And, and of the Australian parrots, I mean, they're um, – oh, no, I won't say it. <laughs> you were going to insult them, weren't I you? I was going to insult them. I was going to insult them and I won't do that because that's – Liam, that be Liam from Hobart wants us to repeat the name of the hakia. That was Elisifolia? Elisifolia, yes. Do you want to spell that for Liam? Uh, I-L-I-C-I-F-O-L-I-A is the species and hakia is H-A-K-E-A. I-L-I-C-I-F-O-L-I-A. And Margot from Abbotsford has said, brown leaf spot, fruit tree that might be suckering below the graft. Now, that's not quite enough information. She's on the phone, I think, actually. Virginia, is oh, she? Oh, line eight. I've done it again, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> Pity about the brain. <laughs> well, blame it on the glasses. Yeah, 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 no, yeah it's could, all because it of my could glasses. Not see, could not see this Hi, Margot. Hi there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was treating you like a texter when you weren't. You were a phone person. And we like <laughs> both. We like phone both. people. Oh, good on you. Um, yeah, look, I've got um, this brown spot on a lot of my trees. So I'm wondering if there's something travelling right through my garden. I'm really worried that the whole garden's infested. There's a spot, a brown spot just appearing on leaves. Even my little collection of um, bonsai eucalypts have this spot. And I'm just, they just sort of intensify and then the leaves just drop off. It, it sounds fungal, doesn't it's, it? It yeah. would be fungal, yeah. Um, First thought would be milk, one part, water, ten part. Try that on some of the smaller things and see if that helps because most of the fungus is dependent on the pH and that changes the pH. Oh, okay. So that's... So, uh, 
If you just quickly, while John has a little look, the fruit tree that's suckering below the graft, you've just got to try and pull the suckers off. It's better to pull them off than to cut them, but if it's difficult to pull them off. It's actually the same size. It's There's one, one gnarly old grey trunk of a fruit tree and then the neck right adjacent to it, right from the base, is a, a green, stout, straight. It's the equivalent size, circumference. And I just wondered if I should saw off the green thing. If it depends what you want from the tree. Do you want the gnarly old, well, or do you want the <laughs> fresh new? The fresh new probably won't have decent fruit. No, and um, it's actually not my tree. It's my friend's tree, and. Um, she couldn't even remember what sort of tree it was, except that it cost a bit of money. And I thought, oh, well, it seems to me that I should take off this bright green bit. Absolutely, if you want the tree, the other tree that you paid for to look good. Yeah. Because all so the energy... Okay. Any, all uh, the, just, yes, yes, yes. I wondered if it was a graft, uh, something growing below the graft or it something. It sounds like it. Okay. I suppose it could just be a sport. Oh, oh dear. Hmm. It could. Okay. Um, no, we have a, still have a problem. You need to establish that it is grafted, and you should be able to see that by looking at it. Okay, I'll go back and have, have a good look. look. And if it is grafted, all the all the energy is going into the bit you don't want. Mm. Yeah. But if it's not grafted, it might be just mm. a new fancy new shoot. Mm. Yeah. So it's really, the same it's, size, it's a well, it, which means complex. it's really been weakening the tree if it is grafted. Yeah, I think yeah. first okay. thing is to establish the graft. Okay, all right, I'll and do that, and I'll do the milk spray across the whole garden. I, I do have cobwebs everywhere in the leaves of my grapefruit, and but I'm constantly rubbing back to them that out. because John's got. Oh, I just there's a whole range of. Fung- fungus that present as brown spots. Yep. Um, right. So it could okay. be one of ten or fifteen fungal fungal diseases. Really? Okay. It, 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 it's it's the same. Is it the same brown spot on a, a variety of species? Is it the, is it presenting yes, it's the same got way? That characteristic thing. It's not like a scale or anything like that. It just goes brown. And there are spots in the, the, the on, on the surface of the leaf rather than on the, on the margins of the leaves. Yeah, they're right in the middle. Right in the middle, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could apply some of the coppery uh, fungicides, but I think milks. That's pretty much proven. Yeah, yeah. Give the milk a shot. Look, there's no harm in giving everything a good dose of something like a seaweed as well. Try yeah, and yeah. strengthen those Build. plants' cell walls. Yep. yep. Um, you know, if anything, if possible, open it up a bit to try and improve airflow. Yeah. Um, and you know. If things are stressed or water stressed, they can be more susceptible as well. And again, yep. we just spoke about it being quite a dry winter. So, you know, make sure things have had a deep watering as yep. well. Stick your finger in the soil. Yeah, I, yep. I think that, that Chloe, that makes just makes so much sense. It's about you know um, just accepting that the the, the the fungus is there and then trying to build resilience within your plant through good yep. horticultural practice. I think that's yep. really that's a great tip. Yeah. And just again, was that one part milk and ten parts water or yes. one part yep. One part milk, ten parts and water. And they say it should be fatty milk, but I always do it with what I've got, which is the non fatty milk and it <laughs> seems to work. What about powdered milk? <laughs> I, I wouldn't go there myself. Not, no. Oh okay. well it's we're talking about changing the pH. Yeah, you yeah. think it'd still be the it's, same. Yeah. Don't and, know. Okay. And maybe go to one of those discount, um, you know, just-in-time, not-quite-righty type things and just get <laughs> litres and litres of milk, <laughs> which is, oh, a, which is a, just about out of date. 
Oh, good plan. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Good luck, Margot. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Well, let's hope that that works for Margot. That would be good. Um, now we have... Oops. Oh, buttons, buttons. Buttons, buttons. It's my eyes. I'm just <laughs> really <laughs> struggling. <laughs> we have the um, Eltham Native Plant Sale, which is September the 9th and 10th. Oh, thanks, that, Pete. That's thanks. come from yep. Pete in Notting Hill. I was close with the dates. <laughs> I was close. <laughs> you were. You were. Very good. We're almost out of time. I can't believe we that. We are. We are. And one of our other producers has texted in saying how much she's enjoyed the show. So this is always a good thing oh, to it's hear. Always a good sign, isn't it? So next week we've got Emma Hurd in with Craig Wilson, Jane Tonkin, and Jeremy Francis. So that's a very Dandenong's weighted program. And anybody who has a bulb question, Jane will be there. <laughs> I think that will be a really interesting show. So, everybody, I think we've just about come to the end of our show. Have we got any? Oh, we must mention your acacias. My my acacias. Well, I've got a, you know, driveway full of acacias and just, you know, really encouraging people to get out there and enjoy the acacias while they're still in bloom. And come to to the Hurstbridge Wattle Festival today if you're out that way. And rock down to Cranbourne to see the illustrations from, from next week. Yes. And the Friends, the Growing Friends Cranbourne Sale is the 22nd of October and the 23rd of October. Perfect. No, sorry, it's not. That's 2022. Oh, John. <laughs> I, I, nope. I Googled it. I, I, I will let you know. No, sorry about that. I will make sure that we put that and we will put your photo on as well. Yes, let's put that up on I the I think that would socials. be an excellent thing to do. Okay, everybody, it's been lovely today. I'm sorry my glasses have led to a problem more than 19, and I'm sure that you can cope with that. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.